Welcome to the Treasure Coast Community Church Podcast. TC3 Church is located in Stewart, Florida, and we're thankful that your listening journey has brought you to us. Our prayer is that everyone who tunes in connects the life-changing power of Jesus Christ in a real way. You will also discover, if you dig a little deeper, that TC3 is full of imperfect people who are simply striving daily to be more like Christ than they were the day before. The journey for us is about progress, not perfection. We pray that as you listen, you will be filled with hope, endurance, and joy as you experience life change. Enjoy today's message. Apparently, you believe what you're singing. That's good. That's good. So last week, I played a little bit of hooky, and uh, my wife, my wife uh, did, did the talk, and I'm always a little bit nervous about what she's going to say. Um, but she did a great job last week. It was, it was, it was good. Yeah. One, one Mother's Day, my teenage kids were sitting in the audience, and she came out, and she said, I'm not, I'm not the, the pastor, but I sleep with him. And my kids were forever humiliated as a result, result of that. But uh, anyways, I appreciate that she can do that from time to time. And I had a moment when I was in Texas Stadium where I was looking around at those um, Jets fans and um, realizing that you were in church and fixating on this particular Jets fan who had body by Budweiser and was just screaming at the Dallas fans. And in that moment, I thought, you know, I'm not guilty. I don't feel guilty at all for being here. I love this. And uh, I, had, I had a great time. Now, I'm driving to work on Monday. It's 5.30 in the morning, and I'm heading towards uh, Confusion Corner. And I, I'm, I'm one of the only cars that's out, and I notice that as I get closer to Confusion Corner, there's another car that's uh, going, through, going around the roundabout there. What I also notice is that they're going the wrong way at 5.30 in the morning. So it's me and them, nobody else around. And so I slow down and I just kind of watch what's going on and I kind of pull to the side and I, and I notice that the car then pulls onto the railroad tracks, stops right there, headlights down the railroad tracks. And you know, I, I'm thinking either this person is drunk or um, they intend to harm themselves. And so I, I took the truck, pulled it around, got out. Um, by that time, they kind of started to move a little bit. And then I waved them over to where I was. And so there I am standing in Confusion Corner, 5.30 in the morning with the car pointed the wrong way in Confusion Corner. <laughs> and the guy rolls down his window. It's an older couple. And um, I just said, hey, can I help you guys? And, and he goes, yes, we're lost. We're trying to find the hospital. And uh, the lady leans over and she goes, that man tried to drive me down the railroad tracks. <laughs> and I said, I said, listen, every time my wife gets in the car with me, she thinks I'm trying to get her closer to Jesus. So you guys have something in common. I said, why don't you just follow me? I'm in this truck over here and I'll, I'll make sure you get to, to where you're going. And so they said, okay. And so I got the truck, drove them down those dark streets to, to get to the hospital. But what I was noticing is that, you know, for them to get to where they wanted to go, they had to believe that I was someone who was going to lead them there. It's 5.30 in the morning, it's dark and nobody's around, but yet they're believing in me to get them there. They then had to 
kind of push that belief forward into following me. So they took action in that regard. And then what ultimately happened was they actually arrived at their destination. And for some of us, I think about that in our spiritual journey. Some of us are, are going the wrong way. And we're going in circles and we're about to hurt somebody or ourselves and we need some directions to get unstuck because we've been going around this loop for quite a while. And a lot of people are, are lost and looking for help. If you look at them from the outside, they look good. But in the, on the inside, there's something that's missing and they're just a little bit lost and looking for help. And in, in Jesus' day, it wasn't any different. There were people that looked good on the outside, looked like they had it all together, but they were lost. And that's the story of Jesus and Nicodemus in John chapter three, and it starts in John chapter two where it says that Jesus is performing all of these kind of miracles. John writes his book so that people like you would read it, you and I would read it later on, and we would believe because of the things that Jesus did. Because of the things that Jesus was doing, the people of his time were flocking towards him. Miracles were happening. He was teaching with authority. Nobody had heard anybody teach the way that Jesus was teaching at that time. And they're following him. Some of them for the right reasons, some of them for selfish reasons. But it says in, at the end of John 2 that Jesus knew what was in their hearts. And then it transitions into John chapter 3 where it says there was a man named Nicodemus a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. So it gives us these three specifics about him. It gives us the fact that he was extremely religious. He was a Pharisee. The scribes were the ones that interpreted the law. The Pharisees of the day were the ones that lived out the law to the, to the nth degree. If you weren't living out the law, they would look down their nose at you. Jesus was often uh, confronting the Pharisees because of their religious spirit, and they were oftentimes attacking Jesus because he was hanging out with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and common people, and, and he was uh, spending time with them. And so Nicodemus is extremely religious. He's really good at religion. Matter of fact, he was someone that you'd look at as an example of what true religion looked like. But he was also incredibly rich, very successful. Tradition tells us that he was one of the three wealthiest uh, men in the nation of Israel at the time. If you go into scripture, you can see that when Jesus uh, was buried, he brought 75 pounds of spices with him to help uh, in the burial of, of Jesus. And so he's incredibly wealthy. So he's wealthy, but he's missing something. He's religious, but he's missing something. Great guy, very successful, like a lot of us in South Florida, but missing something. He's also a ruler. Like he had leadership credibility. He's one of the 70 uh, that sat on the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the Jewish ruling council. They would rule over uh, Jewish life and, and religion, and they, they were basically the Supreme Court uh, of the day. And so he's this accomplished ruler and teacher. Like people look to him, he's a go-to guy, but still something is missing. What about you? Do people look at you like you got it all together, but yet something inside of you is strangely missing? Are you like that couple lost, looking for some help? It says that in John chapter three, verse number 
two, that after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. This is Nicodemus. He said, Rabbi, we know that God has sent you to teach us. So he's like, listen, it's a given that when you teach, it's, it's anointed by God. And then he goes further and he said, your miraculous signs are evident that God is with you. So we see the hand of God on your life. It's indisputable, undeniable. We see, we see the fingerprints of God all over you. But it says that he came to visit him in the evening. We don't know why he came to visit him in the evening. Most people think that he came in the evening because he's this religious leader and he didn't want to be seen going and talking with Jesus. So he was afraid. Some people think that Nicodemus came at night because that's when the conversations happened. It was in the cool of the evening. They would sit out on their rooftops and they would have conversations about, about life and about the day. It could have been that he came because his teaching schedule was busy and Jesus' teaching schedule was busy. It could be that he came because he was just curious. We don't exactly know. What about you? You curious about the things of God? You a little bit afraid about what the things of God might do uh, to your life? Put yourself in Nicodemus' sandals. He, he doesn't know that Jesus is the Son of God. All he knows is that Jesus is this 30-something-year-old carpenter's son who when he teaches, it's like, people listen, man. It's, it's these revolutionary truths, and nobody teaches with authority like him. He's a different kind of teacher, and he knows that the things that he is doing and has done from a standpoint of miracles has never been done. He also knows that he's stirring up a little bit of trouble with his religious friends. Opposition is following him wherever he goes, and Nicodemus is like, I have to meet this guy. I think Nick at night was hungry for more. And honestly, many of us, even though we might have been in the church for a very long time, we might be really good at religion, we're hungry for more. We remember what life change felt like. We remember what it felt like to be used by God. We remember what it felt like to have God's power in our life. But yet it's strangely missing. For some of us, we've been good at the world. Like we've succeeded in the world from a worldly standpoint, but yet there's something inside of us that's strangely missing. You might have been playing the game of the Pharisees, and the game of the Pharisees is if I do this, then God will do this. And don't we do that sometimes? I went into a business deal one time, and I'm like, God, if you, if you make this thing happen, this real estate deal happen, 20%. You know, I mean, we do stupid stuff like that, don't we? If, you do, if I do this, then you, you, you do this. And the problem with that is, one is, if we could get to God by our own righteousness, Jesus would have never had to die on the cross and, and God would have been a terrible father for sending him. If there was a way that we could have done it on our own. The other problem is you never know if you're good enough. You never know if you've balanced the scales enough. The Pharisees were using religion as a pathway to salvation, which many people do. They're good at religious behavior. They're good at the game of religion. They know all the right things to say, and Nicodemus is really good at regurgitating good religious information. If you've been in the church for a while, you can do that. He's the master of the game, but he knew something was missing, and he's desperate for more. And Jesus sees right through the charade, and when Nicodemus kind of kind of elevates Jesus and lifts him up with some compliments. Jesus looks at him and he says, listen, 
I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you're not gonna enter into the kingdom of heaven. I mean, he looks at Nicodemus and he's like, listen, life change has gotta come to your world. And then Nicodemus' response is, what do you mean? It's really easy to not understand what the text has to say. Sometimes they're confusing. He's like, what do you mean? Do I have to go back into my mother's womb? How is that possible? That, that can't be done. The question Nicodemus is really trying to get to is how do I connect with God? Which is the biggest question that all of us will have to answer. And Jesus said, listen, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the spirit. Nicodemus didn't understand spiritual birth, so Jesus goes and he uses this picture of physical birth to try to explain it to Nicodemus. He said, you must be born of water and of the spirit. Nicodemus would register that term because born of water, um, he would pick that up because in the Old Testament in particular, water would be talked about as a cleansing agent. It talks about that in the book of Ezekiel and throughout the Old Testament. And he's like, okay, I must be, I picked that up, I must be uh, cleansed. And what Jesus is saying to him is born of water is a work that is done by the Spirit. The Spirit has got to do this inner cleansing in your life, Nicodemus, for you to connect to the kingdom of God. And when you think about that, when a birth takes place, the baby doesn't do any of the work, right? A birth by water, okay, the, 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 the sack bursts, the water comes forth, the baby is born, the mother does all of the work, and Jesus is saying, listen, this is a work of the Spirit, a work done by the Spirit. By grace you are saved, it talks about in Ephesians, so that none of us, it's not through works, so that any of us could ever be boasting about in Ephesians chapter two, verse number eight. And so he's like, listen, Nicodemus, connecting with God is about connecting with the Spirit. It's a work done by the Spirit. Only the Spirit can bring life change. It talks about it in the New Testament. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It says that the old is gone and the new, it springs forward. The work of the Spirit is what makes that happen. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, hey, stop trying through religion to do what only I can do. And many of us were trying to tip and balance the scales when really if we want to connect with God, we got to connect with Jesus and the work that he did on planet earth and at the cross and through his resurrection to be connected with Jesus. And Jesus goes further and he's like, listen, humans can reduce, reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual Life. Nicodemus still doesn't understand. And some of us, it takes a while for us to get it. And Jesus is patient with him, just like he's patient with us. Many of us have been in process for a long time. And Jesus said, don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. And he said, listen, you understand difficult concepts. All of us, we have an understanding of difficult concepts. And he compares it to the wind. And he says, listen, the wind blows wherever it wants. And just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it came from or where it's going, so it is with the Spirit. And he says, so you can't explain how people are being born of the Spirit. But again, interestingly enough, I don't want you to forget this phrase. Nicodemus had the ability to understand difficult concepts. You and I, we have the ability to understand difficult concepts, but sometimes we don't connect the dots like the wind, 
The effects of the wind, they're undeniable. The sound is heard. Things move when the wind blows. The wind is mysterious. It's unseen. It's unpredictable. It's uncontrollable. And we don't see the cause of wind. We don't understand the ins and outs of how the wind works, but we see, feel, understand the effects, and we believe it's a real force. The Spirit of God, in the same way, is mysterious. It can't be seen. It's unseen. It's unpredictable. It's powerful. It's unstoppable. We don't see the Spirit, but we know that it changes people. I've been doing this long enough to be able to walk with people, and I've seen what the Spirit does. The Spirit produces life change. And at TC3, we're all about connecting people with the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. The Spirit makes sinful people holy people. The Spirit makes proud people humble people. The Spirit convinces the drunk to put down the bottle. The Spirit convinces an immoral, immoral person to become moral. The Spirit convinces an immodest person to become modest. The Spirit sets the sex addict free. The Spirit rescues families from devastating downlines and changes family histories. The Spirit changes people. And when we see changes in people, we know it's the Spirit. You know, I was raised in church, but what really connected me with the Spirit of God was when I saw life change in one of my friends. He was a terrible sinner, like terrible. And in an instant, like his life changed, and I looked at him and I went, if you can save that guy, there's hope for me. But that was undeniably the Spirit. We as Floridians, we listen to meteorologists. We, we want to know where the wind is going to blow. Why? Because the wind changes things. The wind rearranges things. The wind kills certain things. And when the Spirit comes into our life, it changes us. It rearranges us. It kills some things in our life that needs to die. And Nicodemus is like, how in the world is this possible? And many of us, we're stuck on the how. Like, we've seen God work in our life it's undeniable and evident. We've seen God work in the lives of people that are around us. We want what other people around us have, and we're asking this question, how? And Jesus is scratching his head, and he's like, listen, you're a respected Jewish teacher. Like, people come to you for answers, and yet you don't understand these things. And then he gets, he gets specific. He said, I assure you, we tell you what we know and what we have seen. And he's saying, listen, life change is happening around us. People are talking about it. You're hearing about it. It's happening. You see it. It's visible. And then he says, and yet you won't believe our testimony. And honestly, if we want to be honest about it, many of us, we choose not to believe. We choose not to believe. We're sitting there going, God, reveal yourself to me. And, and we're looking around and we see him revealing himself to us all over, but we choose not to believe. Jesus gets really direct. And he's like, you know you've seen things. And so the question is, is why do we resist belief? Why does Nicodemus resist belief? I think it was because of the religious system. Like he was really comfortable with the religious system. 
I do this, this, and this, and then if I do this, this, and this, then I'm good with God. Listen, Jesus didn't just simply die to make you and I a better, better people. The cause of Christ was so much bigger than we can even imagine. Jesus died so that we would be connected to God the Father, so that the, the Spirit would fill us, so that when we walk into a room, people wouldn't see us, they would see him, so that when people need to be prayed for, we would step up and pray for people, so that when people are lost, we'd help them find Jesus, so that when people need answers, we would be people who would provide answers, so that when life gets tough, we would show people what life looks like when Jesus is in somebody's life. There's a bigger reason for Jesus's birth, death, and resurrection. Christianity isn't safe, never has been, never will be. Christianity is wild and untamed, and many of us have settled for a version of religion that is far away from what God intended. Nicodemus resists believing what he can even see, and some of us are there. The signs are literally everywhere, and we don't trust them. And we, quite frankly, are resisting belief. Jesus said, but if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how are you gonna believe me when I tell you about heavenly things? And then again, Jesus is patient with Nicodemus, and he's like, listen, God had to send his son. His son would have to be lifted up, and everyone who believes on him is gonna be rescued. And then we have the context of Bannerman. At every football game, Bannerman, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And my favorite is this. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world would be what? Saved. That's the hope that we walk in. But yet we leave the story of Nicodemus and we have these unanswered questions. And I pray that when our life is over, there aren't unanswered questions in regards to if we were or were not connected to Jesus. We don't know with Nicodemus. I think that he became a follower of Jesus because later he would defend Jesus in front of the Sanhedrin when they wanted to put him to death. Later on, he would be there at the, at the death of Jesus and then help with taking care of his body after it was all over. We, don't have we have indicators, but we don't have definitive proof. May all of us give definitive proof to the people that we love and that are near and dear to us that we have an active working relationship with Jesus. And it appears that Nicodemus was someone who connected with Jesus, but it doesn't appear that he was a life changer or a world changer, at least pre-resurrection. What about you? Are you seeking something are you missing something? Do you have religion down, but it's boring? Do you need a fresh touch from the Spirit to invigorate the cause and the purpose of why you were born? What about you? Are you one of those good people that's just lost? And you need direction, and you don't know where you're heading, and you can't seem to read the signs because when you're going the wrong way, like you can't read the signs because the signs were made for people that are going the right way, aren't they? And you're hurting yourself and you're hurting other people. What about you? Are you lost? Do you feel like you're on Confusion Corner? If you are, the, the reason why those people got off Confusion Corner 
is because they believed and they followed. Maybe it's time for you to start believing. Listen, I have this fascination with airplanes. I independently, I independently understand what makes airplanes fly. There's lift, there's thrust, there's drag, and there's weight. I understand, but every time I get on a flight, you probably do this too, I do the math. Like I look at my aisle and I'm like 500 pounds. I look at the aisle across and I go, another 500 pounds. 40 rows, 40,000 pounds. Everybody brought luggage, 45,000 pounds minimum. I don't know how much this airplane weighs, but it weighs more than that. I don't know how in the world this thing is gonna fly. I get it, but I don't really get it. And for many of us, that's what our faith journey is. We get it, but we don't really get it. But here's the thing. Even though I get flight, but don't really get it, it's not gonna stop me from getting on board. It won't stop me from getting on board. I choose to believe that it's gonna fly. And when it comes to faith, I get it, but I still don't get all of it. I don't. I'm a believer, and I choose belief, but I don't understand the how of everything that's in the text of Scripture, but I've stopped letting the how hang me up. And some of us were hung up on the how. You know how you stop getting hung up on the how? Refuse to let the how hang you up anymore. I've just stepped back from the text of Scripture, and I'm going, listen, I believe. I believe that God created the heavens and the earth. I believe that it was a seven-day literal creation. I'm not gonna argue with you if you don't. I believe that Sarah was barren and well past childbearing age, and yet God put a baby inside of her. I believe in the tower, that the Tower of Babel happened. I believe in the flood. I believe that when the children of Israel were in Egypt, that God sent plagues. I don't understand in the world how all those frogs got involved. I don't get it. I don't get how they got through the Red Sea. I don't get it. I don't get how manna fell from heaven and what that was like. I, don't, I think I know some of the answers, I don't, but I don't fully get it, but I believe it happened. I believe that when David went up against Goliath, he took him down. I don't understand all the dynamics and I've looked into a lot of them. I believe that when the three Hebrew children were in the fire that Jesus appeared to them in the fire and they came out unscathed. I believe that that happened. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the sinless, perfect life of Jesus. I believe that he fed 5,000 people. I don't understand the how. I don't know if that bread began to multiply while it was in his hands and he was breaking it. I don't know if like God was filling the basket underneath the bread. I don't know if the fish grew in his hands. I don't know how all that happened. I just believe it happened. And some of us were stuck on the how. And we need to choose to believe. If you're lost, choose belief. Some of you, you're like, listen, I'm ready to believe. And if that's you, I wanna help connect you to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. A lot of people did this morning. 
and you want to take a step of faith and just say, listen, Gordon, I believe. I need to get connected with God. I need to give my life to God. I need to put him on the throne of my life from this day forward. I need to accept what Jesus did on the cross is being done for me. I need to be forgiven of my sins, and I need to give God my life for the rest of the life of my life. If that's you and you'd like to say that, Gordon, would you help me with enter into the kingdom of heaven? Would you just help me with a prayer? Get it started. If you're in this section, you say, hey, I need to, I need to give my life to God today. If that's you, put your, you can put your hand up in this section if that's you. So anybody over here say, hey, I need to connect with Jesus this morning. Good. Hands going up here. This section already, you say, hey, I need a relationship with God this morning. Anybody in this section over here? Okay. This section here, I need a relationship with God. Good. Hands going up here. I need a relationship with God. Good. Hands going up here. Good. This section, hands going up. Good. I need a relationship with God. Is anybody in that section over there say, hey, I need a relationship with God. Good. Good. You know what's cool in scripture? It says that the moment that we connect with the life-changing power of Jesus Christ, we become a new creation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, please come. Take control of my life for the rest of my life from this day forward. Forgive me of my sins and heal me. I choose you over the world. I believe that what was done on the cross was done for me. Today I am a new creation, a member of a new family, God's family, because of what Jesus did for me. Father, I pray that the seed that was planted would grow, it would take over every aspect of our lives, that we would be fully devoted followers of you, that we would know what it feels like to be forgiven, we would know what it feels like to be loved by you from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, accepted and loved and known by you. I pray, dear Father, the Spirit would speak in ways that he's never spoken before. I pray the Word would become alive and that you, dear Lord, would grow the seeds that have been planted in your kids. Today there is a party going on in heaven and we celebrate here at TC3. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. We understand that life is a journey and that the journey has many stages. No matter what stage you're in, TC3 is a place where you can plug in and be poured into. So if you're looking for community, we would love to connect with you. Start by hitting the subscribe button, then click the connect link in today's episode. This is your opportunity to join in on what God is doing at TC3. We are confident that he's just getting started with us and with you. We look forward to sharing more of the path with you.